This is episode 30 of season 4 of the Runner Girls podcast. On tonight's show, we will be talking about how to avoid going out too fast on race day. Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Megan, and this is season four of Runner Girls, three women brought together by love of running. Yes, and well, Katie recently got in touch with us and said that she hopes to be back on an episode soon. But she's doing well and she's on break this week. So things have been super crazy for her. But now she's hopefully able to unwind this week. And and then we'll have normal Katie back (laughs) before too long. We're getting close to marathon now, Megan. (laughs) I know. It's like six days away. Yeah. Five days, really. Because today's almost over. Yeah. Yeah. But how are you doing, Megan? Good. Just freaking out about this marathon thing I have to do. Yeah. I mean, it'll be good, but I'm just a little bit bit like, whoa, it's really soon. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. As um, most of our Facebook fans probably know, I've been freaking out all (laughs) the past few days. I've been, um, you know, not running as much. And so I've been having to put that energy somewhere and it's turned into obsessing about race day. And so I've shared a, a few different blog posts about my my taper thoughts and those are all up at runagirlspodcast.com and on the Facebook page but yeah it's definitely on the mind and it seems like it's still like so far away like the time is passing slowly and quickly at the same time <laughs> do you know what I mean yes because I'm like um this is the, I thought it was still I thought I still had more time mm. I don't it's next weekend. Yep. It, I ran my last long run before the the thing today. Like, there's no more long runs. There's just the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy cow. But it's the longest run of all. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm like, oh, I've put all this work in, but now, now I got to, like, really put all the work in. Yeah, well, you know what they say is that the work is done in training, and then the race day is the victory lap, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) I've got, like, 26 miles of victory lap. (laughs) All right, well, just think of it like this. You only have to run one mile, okay? And then you just do it, like, 25 more times. (laughs) So just worry about that one mile that you're running. Run the mile you're in. Yeah, I'm going to do that. But I still have to. Oh, there's so many things to think about. But mm-hmm. Marshall will be happy because the group I train with, we have enough people running the race that um, we're going to have our own covered tent at the race. Nice. For like people hanging out as part of our group and for spectators and people cheering on the runners. That is awesome. And so Marshall will have a place to hang out. Because, unfortunately, the course is not very Mm spectator-friendly, with the first 10 miles being an out-and-back on a greenway. And then a lot of the other stuff goes into some random neighborhood. So, yeah, we will see. Um, And I'm not expecting him to, like, come out or anything, but he'll be there at the end. And a bunch of people I run with, I think they're running 20 miles or 15 miles next weekend. So they're going to come 
by the race to see me finish. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Now i got to figure out what I'm going to eat. I think that's going to be the biggest thing, planning what to eat. Do you mean during the race? No, after. You know, when you're hungry and I've done running and I can basically eat whatever I want because I just ran a marathon. So I'm going to plan what I want to eat because I'm going to be starving. I won't really eat food between 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. I'm going to be starving and I get to eat whatever I want pretty much. Yep. So, yeah. So that's what's been on your mind this week. (laughs) Race day coming up. Yeah, race day and food. <laughs> nice. Um, things are good here. Jeff's been unemployed, but then he was working again, so that was good. And um, kids are have been gone. Ethan went away for the weekend and just got back a little while ago. And then Anna went to a friend's birthday party. She just texted me and said she's staying over. So it's like, where is our family? <laughs> you know? Um <laughs> Jeff's uh-huh. freaking out about his fantasy football draft right now. He's currently in position to win $10,000 if nobody passes him in the standings, which is awesome. Um, so crossing my fingers, <laughs> that would be that would be great. Um, and yeah, and I've just been, like you, thinking about race day and getting excited and having doubts and changing up all of my plans. <laughs> as I like to do sometimes. <laughs> so since that's pretty much all we can really think about, are you ready to move along and talk about our running? Yes. Okay. I will go first because I think I can get through it pretty quickly. We'll see. Tuesday, I did a short, easy run of four miles. I was a little sore from the half marathon which you know I felt pretty good that day but the next day when I woke up I did have some soreness and was definitely feeling that on Tuesday next run was Thursday and this was my last marathon pace run and the day before I'd pretty much decided like I posted a whole blog post on it on runagirlspodcast.com. So go there if you want to read like all of the everything behind my um, pacing strategy, which has probably changed anyway. Um, But basically I decided how I was going to pace out the marathon, starting with some slower miles and then gradually picking them up throughout the run. And I decided on my last marathon pace run, I was going to try and run the first 10 miles that I had planned out and to see how close to my splits I could get basically to seeing if I could hold myself back to the paces that I'd like to try to hold myself to on race day so that actually went pretty well most of the miles that I ran were within like a couple seconds of each other some were a little slower some were a little faster Um, but the really cool thing is that I when I finished the run and stopped my watch the time that I ran it in was like the exact duration of the first 10 miles that I had pre-planned out, like down to the second. So like I had planned to finish mile 10 in one hour, 47 minutes and one second. And that's exactly the time I stopped my watch. I wasn't planning. I wasn't trying to do that. I wasn't staring at my watch. I just hit the button. So when I saw that after it, I was like, 
ah, nailed it. (laughs) So I was super happy with that. So it was a pretty good run. Um, Felt fine. It was fun to mix up the splits a little bit instead of always trying to hit 1035, which I pretty much failed to do during most of my (laughs) marathon pace runs anyway. So that was pretty good. And then I took Friday and Saturday off because I wanted to you know, recover from that last hard run. And then today for my um, last official long run, by this point, I had already completely changed my mind on my pacing strategy. Not completely. All right. So I found this thing or I heard about on Marathon Talk podcast that Strava is doing a challenge where if you run the second half of your marathon, faster than you run the first half of your marathon, you can win a pair of New Balance shoes. You just fill out a form, you upload your GPS info to Strava, fill out a form and send a link to your official race results, and they will send you a pair of shoes, New Balance shoes for free. And I'm just like, I gotta do that. (laughs) So even though I had already planned out all my splits, and it would have been if, you know, if I execute those splits perfectly, it would be a second faster half than a first half. I thought, well, you know, if I just run the first half all like 11 minute miles, then I'll for sure be able to run the second half faster than that. It wouldn't get me as close to my PR as I was originally hoping to get, but I would for sure get a new pair of running shoes, um, assuming nothing terrible happened. So then Um, That was my next plan as far as my pacing. And then the last thought that I had, my last entry on the taper thoughts, was that I was reading about something I had never heard of before, and I'm super shocked that I never heard of this, but it's basically a um, carb loading strategy for the week of the marathon where you deplete your glycogen for three days, basically eating low carb and running a a glycogen-depleting long run, completely deplete your glycogen, and then after three days, you carbo-load for three days, and it's supposed to like double your glycogen storage. So I read, I started reading about this, and apparently a lot of people do it and find success with it and end up not bonking. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> so basically my thought was, I have very little expectation of getting close to my marathon PR or, you know, beating that time because I haven't trained as hard this time around. Um, So I don't know if I have that fitness and I don't think that I'm that close. So since I have nothing to lose, I'm not going for a specific time. Why not try this new experiment and see how it works? If maybe I end up running better in the last 10K or if I end up bonking harder than I ever have before, I really don't have anything to lose. So so today for my long run, I was basically trying to do a glycogen depleting long run, basically trying to bonk. I had planned to run about eight miles today since I had done 10 on Thursday. So I basically just tried to run those eight miles as hard as I could for as long as I could, trying to run as fast as I could that I thought I could maintain for eight miles and get myself to bonk, <laughs> which is, which is, it's a hard thing to figure out. Um, what I should have done was run as close to my lactate threshold pace as possible, but I was really scared to do that because I didn't want to bonk at like mile six and still have two miles to run home on like dead legs. So I was a little more conservative than that. I actually ended up running pretty quickly 
several of my miles were in the nines um, and most of them were in the low tens. I averaged 10.08 pace, but I got to mile eight and I was, what I was finding was as hard as I was running, I was getting out of breath, but my legs weren't feeling tired. So I wasn't really bonking. My legs just felt amazing today. And so um, I ended up going another mile after the eight miles just to see if I could push it and maybe get to a bonk. And um, not really. I mean, I still got out of breath and it was slower than before, but it wasn't really a hard bonk that I had experienced before. So I called it a day at nine miles and um, I'm just like, that's good. If, even if I if I'm not if I haven't completely depleted my glycogen, three days of no carbs will definitely push me to that limit. So that's what my run was today. It went pretty well actually. So I did nine miles at 10:08 pace, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about going into the marathon. I had 23 miles this week, and then going into my last week of taper. I don't think I'm going to run very much at all this week. I may do one or two runs. I'm I'm for sure going to do one run, but I might just keep it to one run. And that'll probably be Wednesday or Thursday. If I'm feeling good on Tuesday, like my muscles have recovered from today's run and my bones feel good, then I might do an easy run on Tuesday just to make sure that I'm actually like glycogen depleted and that my run's pretty sluggish. But I might wait until Wednesday just just to be safe because I'm really, really wanting to make sure that everything's feeling good going into uh, this weekend, going into the race. So, so that's where I'm at, and uh, yeah, I got it in under ten minutes, so I'll consider that pretty pretty short for me anyway. All right, Megan, how did your taper week go for you this week? Good. I stuck to my consistent Monday night speed work and Saturday long run, which I was happy with. I thought about doing that tempo run and then work got crazy and I just was like, well, I haven't done a weekday run in weeks. Why am I going to start it during taper and add extra miles? That's just silly. (laughs) So Monday I did downhill repeats, which ended up being easier and nicer than I thought it would be because I don't run downhill hard a lot. So I was like, oh, okay. It took me a couple of repeats to get into the groove. And then I was like, this is easy. And then I normally do my long runs on Saturday, but North Carolina had the lovely effects of Hurricane Matthew yesterday. And it was 65 with nonstop rain and windy yesterday. Wow. And I was just like, "Mm, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) happen. It rained all day. And I looked at the weather for today, and I knew it was going to be sunny and breezy and 55. Mm. I was like, I'm going to run on Sunday. That sounds like a much better day to run. So I did. I pushed it to today. Because if I have the chance to run in cooler weather with sun or hot, humid, rainy weather, I'm always going to choose sunny. And um, I had 10 miles going in today for my last long run and I know we talked about last week me kind of pushing it me wanting to just so I could see what my fitness level was because Mm -hmm. I kind of needed that mental boost if I could run and I will say that I was shivering when we started the run because at 7 a.m it was 50 and dark and probably 20 mile an hour winds maybe Mm. 15 so it was just breezy and chilly 
and it's the first really cold day we've had. It was probably the first morning in the 50s we've had. And so uh, fall has officially come. Yay! And yeah, woohoo, it was really nice. <laughs> but it, it took me my first couple miles to get warmed up, like into a running groove. I was just really cold. And always the, f- the first couple runs when it's chilly and trying to get acclimated again to running in cold weather, I was like, oh. And I just felt so slow, I think, because I was so cold. So until I warmed up, my body was, you know, trying to use energy to run and to keep me warm. So I was slow. So my first two miles were probably, they're at 11.57, both. That's pretty good. Do that. Yeah, they were still under 12 minutes. And then I warmed up because my next mile was 11.11. And then I just kind of kept running comfortably. And my next three miles were in the 10s, 1037, 1038, 1020. And then mile seven, I don't know what I did, but I just decided to run a 907 mile. (laughs) Holy cow. Because that's just, you know what you do. That's the speed I was running for my 5K PR. But let's do that at mile seven of a 10-mile taper training run. Let's just do that. I don't think I've run a 907 mile all year. Like, literally all year. I haven't. Yeah. Oh, and then mile 8 was 9.23, and mile 9 was 9.16, and mile 10 was 9.34. That was me trying to slow myself down. <laughs> I was like, well, let's just slow down, because we, we shouldn't be running this fast. So, um, that was not a good race day pacing strategy. <laughs> because I got a 10K PR this morning. <laughs> of one hour and 30 seconds in a training run. Holy shit. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just, you know, apparently what I do. When it, the weather gets cool, I remember how to run and feel great doing it. Remember last week when you were talking about how you didn't think marathon training was making you any faster? <laughs> exactly. I was like... And so I kind of needed that to be able to go in this week and feel like, okay, I can finish the marathon. I am capable, even if I, you know, have to slow down. Like I ran 10 miles at a 1024 pace. I'm not aiming for that by far for the marathon. Mm -hmm. But if I slowed it down to the 515 pacer, which is just over 1130, I could maintain that comfortably, I think. Judging by the fact that I ran 1024 without a lot of issue. Mm-hmm. My legs were kind of tired toward the end, but I could have kept going. And if I hadn't been running in the nines, I'm sure my legs wouldn't have been that tired because four miles in the mid nines, which is close to my 5k PR time, yeah. that's not marathon racing strategy. I don't think at least. Well, you negative split it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so, um, which is funny because I have been looking at the Strava back half challenge and I was like hmm maybe I could do that Mm -hmm. but everybody says it's really hard to do that but if I start out really slow I might could run faster the second half Mm -hmm. so it's been in the back of my mind too and um, today's run was a sad run because there was a deer who had gotten hit by a car but just clipped like on its back leg so it was still like alive But it was stuck laying down on the ground and it was flailing around, like trying to get up and it couldn't. And it was like banging its head against the road and I had to run by it. And I was like, 
poor dear. And I made sure when I turned around, I ran on the other side of the road and I covered my face. Other runners had already called animal control or sheriff. And apparently the sheriff came and shot the deer and put it down. Good. Which I know it needed to be done, but it, it was very sad. That was probably at mile seven and a half, almost eight. Um, the best part about today's run is I was home by 9.30, 9 45. Nice. Instead of noon or one o'clock like it has been with my longer runs. Mm-hmm. So it was like, woohoo, I kind of have still have the rest of the day. I know. I had that same feeling today. I got home at like quarter of 9 a.m. and I was like, holy cow, like this is early. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. <laughs> So I'm excited for, in two weeks, my week of rest where I don't run at all. <laughs> I have it on my calendar. Every day is rest. I'm not running. I'm not sure about the week after that, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm not running for two weeks, at least. I might, I might make it four or six. I'm not sure, depending on how my legs feel, because... I really, really want to go into the spring strong. Like, I want to hit some PRs in the spring. I want to run hard. I do. I want to be able to do speed work again. And, you know, now that I've been like you, like having these runs where you're actually starting to see increases in speed and like running. Today, I legitimately was running fast for my long run, like leg turnover the whole time. Like, I felt like I was like, I felt like I was running fast and it felt so good. And like, I want to, I want to do that again. You know, I know I miss running fast. That's the only thing about marathon training is you run a lot, but so many of your miles, I feel like are slower miles just to put miles on the legs because you aren't supposed to run fast for long runs, which I understand, but I kind of miss running fast and pushing and I guess really racing Mm. because I haven't raced a lot during marathon training. Because I've been so focused on marathon training that I didn't want to mess that up. Right. And, you know, marathon training during the summer, there are not a lot of races. Right. So tomorrow I will do a speed workout that I'll probably take slightly easy. I don't feel sore at all for my 10 miler today. I kind of don't feel like I didn't run at all. I'm just like, huh, this (laughs) is cool. Like I was home almost all day and everything. But it'll be 30 seconds easy, 20 seconds medium, 10 seconds hard Mm -hmm. for like 28 minutes worth. There'll be a break, I think, at like 14 minutes because there's like some cycle he goes through. Okay. I don't know. I can't remember it. Okay. But it's like you do it a couple of times and then you get like a two to three minute break and then you do it again because it ends up being like a 14 minute thing and then you get the break and then you do it for 14 minutes again Mm -hmm. so that'll be monday my plan says a four mile easy run on wednesday but i haven't run during the week yet since september probably since Mm -hmm. school started besides once or twice so i'm probably just not gonna run that run honestly i probably won't get to it Mm -hmm. work has been crazy busy i went to work today for an hour or so trying to get stuff done and then I will race Saturday. Right now, weather says it's going to start out 55 and get up to 70. So I'll be cold at the start, but I think I'm just going to wear shorts and a short sleeve shirt because it'll be mid-60s by the time I finish, and I'll be hot then from running 26 miles. Right. 
because if I wear anything else and it gets up to 60s, I'll probably be cold. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I was I was actually planning on wearing shorts as well because my race day it's going to be in the 50s and get, getting up into 60 later in the day, but I was I just checked it today and it's looking like 39 at the Ugh. start of the race. So I might have to I might end up wearing like thin pants because it's actually still at like 1 p.m. it's still going to be only 59 and I plan Ugh. on finishing at like 12:30 between 12:30 and 1 p.m. So it it should still be in the mid 50s or upper 50s. So I think I might just wear pants after all. But it's going to be it's going to be sunny which is nice, and it's not going to get hot, which is perfect. It's not going to be super cold, and it's not going to be super hot. Like, I love running mid-50s. That's my that's my jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. excited for the weather. And looking at it, I might actually put capris on again because it's only going to be up to 63 by the time I'm running mm-hmm. or, like, by the time I finish. Yep. It's going to start at about 53. And it's supposed to be overcast because we start at 8 a.m. just because of the time change over here. And so I'll run until at least 1 p.m. And then it's it, hit, it doesn't hit 63 till like 1 or 2. So by the time I finish, it's going to be 63 only. Yeah. But it's going to be humid. That's not fun. Mm. If it's going to be humid, definitely... I would definitely use that strategy of of starting more slowly and hopefully picking up the pace later in the run, um, which we can talk about because we're going to talk about how to avoid going out too fast on race day. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, now I'm just thinking about all the logistical stuff. I keep looking at weather and I keep thinking about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to wear, all the stuff that I start worrying about when race day comes. Yeah, I know what you mean. I actually wrote out a packing list. Of like, all right, what's going to be in my drop bag? What's going to be in my overnight bag? What's going to be my race day clothes? And wrote down every single thing I need to bring with me. And we just did like all the laundry today. So everything's clean. I haven't started packing yet, but I'm preparing to pack. (laughs) Is anybody coming with you or are you just going to go by yourself? Well, this time we're actually, we're all going to go down. So we got a hotel room in, not Lowell, Count. Chelmsford, Chelmsford. I don't know how it's pronounced. The race expo is in Chelmsford, and that's where we're staying. Our hotel is because we got a really good deal on a room there. So we're staying there. We're going up Saturday. Gonna go to the race expo. Probably go out for pizza or something for dinner, and then we're all gonna go to the race Sunday morning. Which that the tricky thing for me is getting to the race in the morning because last year I went super early it was just me and I went I was got there like an hour and a half early because they tell you that that's what you should do and so I had plenty of time and traffic was fine and I got to there's a parking garage right at the Sangha Center where the race starts so like you literally walk from the parking garage to the race start it's not even a tenth of a mile it's like right there everything's like right there so like I really want to get there super early like I did last year but then we're just sitting around waiting for an hour and a half. But if you don't, that parking garage is going to fill up right away. 
and then traffic gets super crazy too. So they say like basically if you if you aren't there by like 7:30, they can't guarantee that you're going to be able to start the race on time at 8. Something like that. So anyway, it's tricky figuring it out because you know, having Jeff and the kids with me, I don't want them to be bored for an hour and a half, but then I don't want them to just drop me off and then I'm out there in 30 degrees weather waiting for an hour and a half, you know, um, but I also don't want to get there and be like rushed because we're not there with enough time. So it's, it's, I, I'm not sure what we're going to do yet because it's different when you have a family, you know, it's, it, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I do because I feel the same way driving Marshall out early because I want to be there 45 minutes to an hour early. Mm-hmm. And what are we going to do? Nothing. There's, I mean, it's a really small race. There might be like 400 people running this race, 500, something like that. There's no expo. There's not really anything to do. We're just going to be hanging out to make me feel better mm-hmm. is all we're going to be doing. But parking was a pain last year, and it is a 30-minute drive away, so I want to make sure we're there in plenty of time. Yeah. So that's all those things I'm thinking about, and I still have to deal with dragging him along, too. You guys should stop at, like, a Dunkin' Donuts or whatever you have down there on the way, and then, like, once you get there, like, he can just eat his breakfast and hang out while you're, you know, getting your race bib and stretching or whatever you want to do. That's true, because I'll probably, well, I'll have my race bib and everything Friday, because they'll be open till seven, and that'll just make me feel better to have it, and I can get everything laid out and set up, and then I will probably stop and get him breakfast. Last year, he dropped me off and then went and got breakfast to give him something to do with the time. Right. But I think he'll feel better if we get it beforehand, because I don't know what the road closures are going to be or anything. Right. So... It's so much more to plan, I feel like, for a marathon. You know, like, for a half, okay, it's like two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. That's fine. You can put up with whatever for three hours. I don't really care. But knowing this will take at least five, that's two more hours to plan for. I mean, you could just have him drop you off and then come back for the finish. So he's not, like... but we live, like, 30 minutes away, so that's almost not even... I mean, it's kind of worth it. I'm going to have to talk to him. We're going to have to sit down and, like, <laughs> have a conversation. Like, yeah. what do you want to do? Because you can do this, this, or this. But then I'd be worried, and he'd be worried, too. What if he drops me off and then doesn't come back in time for my finish because I finish fast? Well, tell him to be back by four and a half hours from the race start. To be at the finish line four and a half hours. Because there's no way you're finishing under four and a half. Because if you do, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> if I finish under four and a half, I might drop dead at the finish line. I might just be like, um, what happened? <laughs> that would be like, I would be like 10 minute miles or something. I yeah, think. I don't see that happening, honestly. <laughs> I just know myself. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about it. <laughs> Listeners, these are the things that taper as you think about. You worry about bringing significant others all right are you ready to move along and we could talk about pacing during the marathon yes okay
this week we are talking about probably the most critical thing <laughs> that we're going to need to be thinking about next weekend, which is how to avoid going out too fast. I pulled this from a couple different articles, which I'll include in the show notes. One is how to avoid going out too fast in your race, and I believe that's from runnersworld.com. And the other one is Race Strategy for the Marathon, which is from runnersconnect.net. Obviously, this is something that I'm really, really going to get right this year. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that this will have some good information for me. If the recent financial crisis has showed us anything, it's that banks are evil. I'm just kidding, but in all seriousness, the theory of putting time in the bank during the first 13 miles of a marathon race is critically flawed. The bank will take your money and leave you crashing the last 10k, just as it did the stock market. I'm not sure where the time in the bank theory came from, but the strategy has led to the demise of more marathon runners than any other source. The proper race strategy that will give you the best chance to PR actually follows the exact opposite theory. For a successful marathon race, you should target a pace that is 10 to 15 seconds per mile slower than your goal marathon pace for the first three or four miles. Don't believe me? Here's an interesting statistic. Every world record from 1,500 meters to the marathon has been set running negative splits, running the first half of the race slightly slower than the second half. This means that if you want to ensure that you run the fastest time possible, you have to be conservative during the early miles of the race. With the adrenaline and competition, this can be difficult and will require focus. But if we do it, then we'll set a world record? Is that what I'm getting from this? <laughs> yeah, a world record for the most awesomest thing ever. <laughs> In addition to running the first three or four miles a bit slower than marathon pace, it's important that you stay relaxed while running in the big crowds and passing runners that you need to go around. Surging past slower runners and getting uncomfortable in tight crowds is an easy way to ruin your race. All the surges and stopping and starting requires a lot of energy. Energy equals fuel, so the more energy and fuel you burn up during the first few miles, the less you'll have over the last 10k. Try your best to set yourself in the right corral, and when the race starts, relax and go with the flow until a natural opening for running appears. As you've learned already, you should be planning on being a little slow for the first few miles anyway, so take a deep breath and focus on relaxing. After the first three or four miles, slowly creep your pace towards your goal marathon pace. It's still okay to be a little slow in these miles as your conserved energy will allow you to hold pace the last 10k and avoid the dreaded marathon fade and bonk. During this time, you should concentrate on eating and drinking whenever possible and as much as you know your stomach can handle. You definitely want to put energy in the bank. Running a little slower than goal marathon pace for the first three or four miles works for two reasons. One, by running slower, you conserve critical fuel and energy you'll need the last 10K. And two, running slower gives your body a better chance to absorb and take on fuel and fluids. Just like a car, the faster you run, the more fuel you burn. Almost everyone has seen the effects of fuel consumption while driving at 80 miles per hour versus 55 miles per hour. Your body reacts in a similar way. When you run over your marathon pace, scientifically defined as your aerobic threshold, you start to burn significantly more carbohydrates. Similarly, as I discussed earlier, weaving in and out of other runners in the first few miles, which tends to happen more with runners who go out too fast, is like driving your car in the city. 
We all know cars get significantly reduced miles per gallon while driving in the city. Your body is the same way. Your body can store enough fuel to run about two hours at marathon pace. This means unless you're running really fast, you'll need to take on a lot of extra carbohydrates during your run. However, your body has a difficult time digesting the carbohydrates you take in while running. As your body becomes increasingly stressed, it begins to shut down non-essential functions such as the digestive system. So while you could be consuming enough energy gels to keep a small nation alive, they may not be getting processed by your body. It's kind of like putting leaded fuel into your automobile. The best way to combat this unfortunately bodily function is to take on carbohydrates and fluids early in the race when your body is feeling good and not stressed. If you started the race a little slower, you'll have a chance to absorb more of the nutrition you take on board. So drink Gatorade early? Uh, I agree, yes. The last half of a marathon is tough. Sorry folks, there's no way around it. From a race strategy perspective, if you've done the training, were conservative over the first few miles, and taken adequate fluids and carbohydrates, you're going to run well the last 10k. However, to help along the way, I suggest implementing simple mental tricks. Keep your mind and body relaxed. Look within yourself and focus on you. Think confident thoughts and repeat confident mantras to yourself. I am fast, this feels good, or I am strong, I'm running great. Every time you feel tired or feel the pace slip, repeat to yourself that you need to refocus and concentrate and get back on pace. Oftentimes, I'll watch a video of fast marathon runners and when I start to hurt, I'll imagine myself running like them. Good form, head straight, arms swinging forward, and back slightly, powerful strides. Just having the mental imagery of good form helps me maintain my pace when the muscles become increasingly tired with each step. If the pace starts to slip, throw in a surge to get your legs fired up again. Sometimes all it takes is a small burst of speed to reinvigorate your legs and pace. If you've done surges during your long run, this will be just like practice for you. Finally, try to break the remaining distance into bite-sized and easily digestible pieces. After doing lots of hard training runs, I'll break the race up into one of my best previous workout sessions. For example, if I had a great 2 by 3 mile session, I'll remember how it felt and think to myself, hey, I did this workout before, let's get back on pace and do it again. Likewise, sometimes a mile can seem like a long distance, so I'll break it down into a time instead. Thinking I only have three to four minutes until I hit the halfway point of a mile makes it seem a lot easier. Four minutes is nothing. Well, that's good for you, dude. Running six to eight minute miles. Because <laughs> that would only be like a third of a mile. But uh, I do that a lot. All mine are, oh, there's only 5K left, or there's three 5Ks left. I've run a bunch of 5Ks. I can do three 5Ks. How many 5Ks have I run while training? And then I start doing the math, and then I distract myself, and I count up all the 5Ks I've done and all my training runs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, running, you know, two more 5Ks, that's not a problem. Right. Because I've run, like, 40 in training. <laughs> That's right. That's good to keep in mind. And don't forget to have fun. I know this is the typical pre-race comment, but it's true. Running and racing are about having fun and enjoying yourself, so remember that when you start getting nervous about the race. If you've done the training and followed all my advice, you're going to run well. Enjoy the challenge and the atmosphere. And we also have some additional tricks that you can use to keep your pace in check. Number one, race placement. 
Avoid towing the start line unless you expect to win the race. This should be true even at smaller races. Line up according to where you think you will finish. For example, top one-third, mid-pack, or at the back of the pack. And place yourself in that area with the crowd of run runners. Also look for pace signs. Most races often set up pace signs with the minute per mile pace posted so runners can place themselves at the appropriate area. Know going into the race your target race pace and stick with that position in the corral, or even go a section back so you know you'll start a little slower. Pace groups. Some marathons will offer pace groups with a leader setting the appropriate pace for the designated time goal. You may be able to align yourself with one of these groups and pace off them. However, double check your splits with theirs to make sure they are running the correct pace for you because they may go out too fast as well. Huh. Never had that happen before. <laughs> but it was how I PR'd my last half, starting out slow and then going ahead. So it is a good strategy. And then harness GPS. Run with a GPS system that shows your constant pace so you know by looking at your watch if you're running too fast or too slow early on. If you see the first mile is going to be 30 seconds faster than your target pace, the advice is simple. Pump the brakes and reserve your energy for the last half of the marathon. All right. So lots of good stuff there. What do you think, Megan? Are you feeling good about your pacing for your first marathon? Yeah, I'm going to go out with the 515 pacer and watch my watch. So you're not going to get frustrated and ditch them in the second mile? No, I don't. <laughs> 515 will should be just over 1130. And I might start with the five pacer because that would be 1130. Yeah, of uh, that would be 1127. And I th think, let's see, 515 would be like, oh, wouldn't that be like 1140, 1145? Yeah, something like that. So... Okay, today, which was 10.24, I think starting with the 11.30 pacer would be smarter because it will be cooler, so for five hour, and then I won't feel so slow. I think that's a good plan for you. Because I was so much faster today than I have been. Yeah, I think that you could do five. If you stayed with them the whole time, I think that you would do very well. I would say even, like, you might be itching to ditch them after, like, four or so because, you know, you were running so much faster. Even if you just stayed with them through, like, 13 miles, you still have a half marathon left to go. And I think that you could... I would stay with them through 13 miles and then see how your legs are feeling and, and see if you wanted to run faster at that point. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. But how I execute it would probably be completely different. So who knows? <laughs> I've she never will, had a pace group. Yeah. The interesting thing is for this race, the back half is the hard half. Right. So making it through them with 13 wouldn't, I would have to stay longer than that because I can do the first 13 easy. That's it's where the half marathoners will be there too. Yeah. So there will be more people. It's on familiar territory. So I'm going to want to run fast through the first 13 because I'll know it. It's what I ran today fast that I've run multiple times fast. So I'll want to stay with them at least after that because it's going to be all new places I've never run mm -hmm. in a neighborhood. There's not going to be very many spectators and everything. So that's where I know the second half is going to be harder. Yeah. So I'm going to stay with them. If I stay with them, I'm going to stay with them the whole time. I think that's... That sounds like a good plan then. I wish I had pacers. 
I really do. I love running with people that are my pace. I've never had an official pace group. And Bay State has pace groups, but only up to, like, four hours. What? So, like, we have corrals, so I'll be starting with other people about my pace. Um, That's not the same. No. Because we do, like, even this race has up to 5.30. Their cutoff time is seven hours, but they only do pace groups up to, I think it was 5.30, I saw. Wow. And Bay State's bigger, too. Well, it's not a huge race, but I think it's bigger than, like, four or 500 runners. There, I think there's, like, 2,000. Yeah, you should definitely. Bay State should have pacers. They and do. And all they do to get, I mean, like, longer pacers, because what's the cutoff for Bay State? Probably close to six or seven hours. It's six. Six. And then it's a rolling cutoff, so, like... You can still run after that point, but they start shutting down aid sta- earlier aid stations at that point. So I think the reason why is Bay State is they bill themselves as a Boston qualifying race. It's like one of the fastest marathons in New England. And if you go to their website, it's a race for runners by runners. Like it's serious runners. Like it's not like um, hobby runners or whatever yeah. it's like serious racers and so it's supposed to be like geared towards fast time so i think that's why but that's gotcha. that's fine eventually i'll make it into the four four hour group <laughs> <laughs> but it's flat and it's fast and that's why i love it <laughs> so yeah i think i'm just you know i i wrote out all my splits and I was talking about how maybe I'll just maintain 11-minute miles through the first half. I don't see that happening, to tell you the truth. I think what I'm going to really try to do is to maintain 11-minute miles through, like, the first two or three miles and then work on, like, 10.45s for, like, the next probably, like, eight miles. Mm -hmm. And then once I get to, like, the halfway point, I think from there I'm going to be focused on 10.35 and faster. So gradually easing my pace down the closer I get to the finish. And um, hopefully if, you know, I get to the 20 mile mark and my legs are still good and this friggin' carb depletion loading thing does something awesome and I can't and I don't bonk, (laughs) then I'm going to really run the last 10K as hard as I can. And at, at that point, I may be able to pull off a PR but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I think that would yeah. take a miracle. So I'm just I'm just hoping to run the second half faster than the first, and I think I can do it. I'm feeling, you know, I, I keep going back and forth between, like, crazy awesome confidence and then complete doubt. <laughs> you know, it just, yeah. you know, this is my third one, but I, I haven't trained the way that I did in the past, and I don't feel like I have the fitness I had last year, and... Who knows what this fueling thing's going to do to me, and um, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. But uh, but I'll get through it, and it'll be awesome. And this time next week, you and I will both have just run a marathon. <laughs> yeah, and I totally get it, Sue, because I ran 10 miles at a 10.24 pace today, mm-hmm. and I'm worried about whether I'll make the 7-hour cutoff for my marathon. <laughs> Like, I don't know if I can make that cutoff. You it can. It seems too short. What if I take too long? I don't know if I can run that fast. I don't even know what the pace is for a seven-hour marathon. I think it's like 15 minutes. <laughs> I think it's more than that. I'll look it up right now on my um, 
pace calculator app. <laughs> yeah. So a seven hour marathon is slower. Like I should definitely be able to do that. But my brain is going, I don't, that, that sounds really hard. What if you don't finish and then it doesn't count and you did all this training for nothing. And, you know, I think we just doubt ourselves at this point the whole time. It would be a 16 minute mile for the entire race. You know, yeah. that's, you're going to be under the cutoff. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Okay. Oh, as an aside, because Marshall wants me to tell everybody, he is planning on running the Krispy Kreme Challenge again in February. What? I thought he was never going to eat another donut. (laughs) Oh, I brought donuts home last week, and he was trying new strategies. And what he did, he decided he had this great idea that if you smushed them all flat, you took like five or six donuts and smushed them all flat into like this pancake of six donuts <laughs> and then just ate them like that, that it would go faster. Uh-huh. That makes it, sense. It did. It took him like three and a half minutes to eat five donuts. Well, see, now this just messes up everything because I was thinking because I love donuts and I love running, but I'm also going back to low carb after the marathon's over. Donuts are my downfall. I'm serious. You have no idea how many donuts I eat in a year. It's ridiculous. I eat way too many donuts. So I was thinking I should do the Krispy Kreme challenge so that I will never want to eat another donut again. But yeah, sounds... see, but you're too competitive. <laughs> then you do it and you'd be like, I bet I can eat donuts faster. I bet I can run faster. Then I need my to time train be eating donuts. <laughs> yes. And I really would too. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm excited for Marshall and for donuts and running, and I'm jealous, and I want to do it. <laughs> well, you know, if this, um, you know, fantasy football thing works out, if we win $10,000 tonight, then maybe I'll be able to register for that. <laughs> the Krispy Kreme Challenge. $10,000 can get you a lot of donuts. Oh, yeah, it can. <laughs> and probably better donuts than Krispy Kreme donuts. I don't know. I've never had Krispy Kreme. Actually, no, that's not true. I had glazed Krispy Kreme at the hotel that I stayed at in Savannah. So, but I don't know like what else they have. Like all we have is Dunkin' Donuts, and they're not that great. I need more. I need to. I need more to eat more donuts. Apparently, we have a couple of like local donut shops around here. One called Duck Donuts, which is really good. They do like a maple uh, bacon glazed uh, donut. All right, that's it. I'm moving to North Carolina. <laughs> you probably have one in Maine. I should look some up. No for way. You. Not near me. Not in my local. There's no. There's no fancy donut shops around here. Are you kidding me? I bet you. Where's Bay State at? Is it close to Boston? It's what Lowell. city is it in? Lowell. Because I bet after the marathon next weekend, you could find some. Yeah, they probably have something down there. I just don't have any around here. But yeah, that's a good point. I, I was planning on going low carb after the marathon, though. <laughs> so it's know. the day of the marathon. You don't have to. There are two top donuts and a donut shack. All right, I'll have to look for those. Awesome. All right, so are we ready to move on- along to run a girl recommends? Yes. One of them was donuts. <laughs> <laughs> In addition to donuts, what is your recommend this week, Megan? My recommend this week is something I started watching that I got Marshall watching, even though he said he didn't like it. Suddenly I have to pause it when he leaves the room. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's a scandal on Netflix. I had heard good things about it, but never started watching it. And um, I told Marshall we needed a new show to watch because we hadn't, we don't have a show we're watching right now on Netflix because we've been through a few of ours. And this time last year, I think we were watching all of Gilmore Girls. And it's really good. I was like, wow. It's all about, well, part of it's about the president of the United States and part of it's about some lady and the stuff she does. Like she fixes stuff. It's hard to explain without giving stuff away. Okay. But she goes and she like makes problems disappear. And she's got all these connections and she's really smart and she's awesome. Awesome. I've never seen it. But I think Jeff has, because he's seen pretty much everything on Netflix. I See, I don't watch shows. I watch, like, documentaries and reality shows. <laughs> and then, like, shows from the 90s that are in reruns, like Friends and Seinfeld and Big Brother. <laughs> it's ridiculous, so. But Scandal is, is good. Yes, it is. Sorry, I was reading about your donut place. Okay. That I found you. <laughs> You need to go to the Donut Shack, but they close at 11.30. So you need to, but they open at 5 a.m. So you could get donuts in the morning before your race. And save them for after the race. Yes. And hope that my kids don't eat them all during the race. (laughs) Well, get you donuts, all your Mm -hmm. own, and then get them donuts. They've got like marshmallow filled, chocolate marshmallow filled, lemon filled, blueberry glazed, and apple filled. And there's coffee rolls. Okay, so it's called the Donut Shack? Yes. And how close is it to the Songa Serena? Do we know that? I don't know, but I'll I could find you. That's it's okay. on Westford Street in Lowell, Massachusetts. I'll look it up. Awesome. <gasps> All right. My recommend this week is something that I briefly mentioned last week, and that is the shorts that Brie got me for my birthday, which are called Gaiam Om Yoga Shorts. They are sold at Kohl's. And they are awesome. They come t- down to like mid thigh, so they're not like super short, and they're not like long, long as capris. But they're like long shorts. They're they're tight, but they don't ride up. I've never had shorts like this that didn't ride up, and they stay in place, and they're awesome. And I was planning on wearing them during the marathon, but now I'm thinking I might need pants. We'll see how the weather goes, but I wore them during my half, and they were they were great. They're super comfortable, and if you click the link in the show notes, the gray color is currently on sale for $15.20. They also have a black color that I think is like 20 or 30 bucks, something like that. So definitely, if you are looking for a comfortable pair of shorts that won't ride up, look into the Gaiam Om Yoga Shorts. Up next, we have Runner Girl of the Week. <laughs> This week's Runner Girl of the Week is Janine, and she shares her Brooklyn Rock and Roll Half Marathon run. She says, Brooklyn Rock and Roll Half. Finished better than the Philly one, but still not where I should be. And she ran it in two hours and three minutes. So I'm guessing where she thinks she should be is under two hours, which is what I'd be thinking if I ran a 203. But that's pretty dang great so awesome job janine great job doing better than your last half marathon and hopefully after some more hard work you get to where you think you should be 
and we choose our runner girl of the week from our Daily Mile feeds and Megan Smash Run. If you'd like to friend us on Daily Mile or Smash Run and possibly be a future runner girl or guy, all of those links are in the sidebar of our website at runnergirlspodcast.com. And up next, oh, we have feedback this week. We got an email to runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com from Becky. And she says, hi, runner girls. I'm in a bit of a bind. The Marine Corps Marathon is on October 30th. I've been consistently running during the week, but I haven't hit any long runs yet. I've done one 10 miler and that's it. I have three more weekends to squeeze in long runs. Should I defer if that's still possible or should I just go for it with absolutely no expectations in mind? I've done one full before December 2015, so I sort of know what to expect. I finished that full in 4 hours 58 minutes, so I'm not a fast runner, nor do I have any time expectations for the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm running for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, so I don't want to let my team down this year, but I also don't want to injure myself or do something stupid, you know? Your thoughts? For these next three weekends, if I did say 15, 18, and 20 miles respectively, all the best, Becky from Run Becky Run. Yeah, so basically she did the opposite of what you did, (laughs) Megan. She ran all of her weekday runs, but not her long runs. So I actually replied back to her because we got this email right after we recorded our last podcast, and I wanted to give her what my thoughts before she attempted to do a long run. And so what I told her is that I thought if I were her, I would start from not where I should be mileage-wise, but where I was. So If she had run 10 miles recently, then maybe go up to 12 that weekend, do like 14 or 15 the next weekend, and then 16 to 18 the following weekend, if she really wanted to do it. Um, But it really would depend on where she was was at with her her current mileage and what the longest distance is that she's currently running. Um, What do you think? My first thing would be I would defer if I had the opportunity because I'm scared of the marathon and only doing a 10 miler that means that I would I'd be very worried Mm -hmm. for my race and I would just defer but then I would and going along with the defer would be thinking to myself am I able to make the bridge cut off not having run any long runs and how important is finishing this race versus any future races right like is it more worth it for me to run this race or do I want to continue running through the winter to be able to do well in the spring right so those are all thoughts that I would have and then if I still decided that running Marine Corps Marathon was important for Muscular Dystrophy Association I would probably run three runs I would not start at 15 I would maybe run 13 especially if you've run a half before, then you could start with 13 because that's close to 10 and be like, it might give you a confidence boost because you've run that distance before and going back and doing it, you know you can do it. And then it would depend on how that 13 felt, mm-hmm. what I do. If it felt really terrible, I might only go up to 15 or 16 the next week. Right. And not, but if it felt okay, you could push it and then the last run, it all depends on how you feel with all your long runs and then all the other factors that go into it. Because I say that because I had some sucky runs, but the next week I was fine. Right. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and I actually did tell her if it were me, I probably wouldn't do it because I've got a history of injuries, so that's something else to consider. You'll probably be happy to know that she replied and said she had decided to defer. Yay! Actually, she said she couldn't defer, but she decided to withdraw from the race. So I'm sure it was a difficult decision for her to make, but I'm sure she will find another race in the future and come back strong. And I think it's great that she's still been running consistently during the week, at least. So she, I don't, she hasn't probably hasn't lost any of her current fitness, which is good. But uh, I don't know marathon fitness. That's a whole, that's a whole other beast. So thanks for checking in with us, Becky, and asking for our thoughts. And hopefully, you know, you were able to raise some money, and you can still give that money to the cause. Um, Just because you're not running doesn't mean you can't donate, right? We also got an email from Jessica, and Jessica says, I found you guys about a week ago and have been binge listening on my over one hour commute each way to and from work. I've been listening to this year's season, and it's been fun to think back on my own running journey this year as I follow along with yours. My goal this year was to complete a 10-mile race, my longest run ever, which I did in May. After, some of my friends convinced me to sign up for my first half marathon with them. The race is about five weeks away, and both friends I was supposed to run with have bailed on it. I had a tough week staying motivated, but listening to you guys and looking forward to the feeling when I cross the finish line has helped. Question, I've never fueled for runs in the past and usually don't drink too much water on my long runs either, so I'm wondering what some of your favorites are as I prep for my half. Thanks again. Well, I'll let you address that one, Megan, since your fueling is probably more conventional than mine is. Um, so some of my favorite stuff is goo. I use it pretty consistently. And honey stinger chews have been my favorite. I use both of those and have been happy with them. I don't get GI issues related to those. I think the important thing is like spacing them out during your run. And that's something that you figure out on your long runs. Yes. I would definitely drink water on your long runs because I know you said you don't. I found with marathon training that I need fuel between every four and five miles. Yeah. Because I just get, I can feel myself getting tired if I don't fuel after five miles. And sometimes I don't think about it and wonder why I just feel so sluggish. And then I realize it's because I haven't put anything in my body. And that's even if I'm drinking Gatorade and stuff too, something about the goo, my body processes differently. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely go to a running store if you have one near you and pick some of the different varieties up. I know mine has just a wall of stuff and they do, you can buy like 24 and get a deal on them. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to buy 24, but pick up a few different kinds and try it out on your run just to see what you like and what you don't like because some of the stuff Sue has used previously she shared with me and I can't stand and she likes it there's varying consistencies between energy gels some are a lot thicker than others what was it that you said about the cliff shots gel that I gave you that it was too thick yes I can it was terrible it's still it rings in my memory of don't ever eat this again it was awful you know what's funny is that I recently picked up some some cliff shots and I had one on a run and it was like super thick it was like the thickest thing I'd ever had and I was like 
what the heck is this? So I stopped using I'm using Goose now. But uh, it's so weird because I don't know if some I, I I my theory is that some of their gels are thicker than others or that maybe like if you get one that's older it's like been around a while and maybe it thickens up or hardens up or if the temperature isn't quite right there's something about the cliff shots where I think they're a little more fickle because not not all of them they weren't always that thick I promise <laughs> but but in comparison I recently tried, um, I think I posted on our Facebook page, I found this deal to get Excel gels, a sample pack of six gels for like three fifty dollars or $4, something like that. And I was like, and free shipping. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm going to try these random gels. They were the worst things that I've ever had. Um, <laughs> because part of the thing is they have a little bit of protein in them. And Ugh. so it doesn't digest as quickly as just the sugar. And so when I had those, it just felt most of them. Um, I, I think two of them I had no problems with. The other four, they just like sat in my stomach. And the orange one was downright nasty. I took it before my 5K race and I was like gagging on it. And I'm, I'm pretty good about stuff. Like I normally have a pretty strong stomach and I it just tasted so terrible so I do not recommend the excel gels and the other thing I was going to say about those is the consistency was like runny it was so thin and so I don't like that like some of the goos um, I really like the goos but some of them are on the thin side like the salted caramel is a little on the thin side for me so I don't love that but I I like it way, like it's way better than the excel gel <laughs> I noticed eating my goose today with it not being as hot that they were definitely more like thicker consistency Yeah. because normally they get warm and so they kind of get a little bit thinner. Yeah. But with it only being in the 50s today, it is not, they were not doing that because normally my body's heat will warm them up and they'll get different. Not yeah. today. So I was eating them and I was like, oh, these are not as good as they've been all summer. <laughs> like they were still edible but I was just thinking I miss my summer gels <laughs> that's funny so yeah there's yeah. some there's some insight into energy gels for you Jessica and as far as my fueling goes I use usually fuel with cornstarch which is completely um random but just came from finding out that it was very similar to a product that I was buying and it it's been very good it's worked for me for uh, races and um, I feel like it's it's good for me up through half marathon and marathons I'm not sure yet uh, I had my last one I kind of bonked but I'm I think my last one was more of an electrolyte issue than an energy issue because I just severely cramped up um, so that's another thing that you want to think about is make sure that you're taking in electrolytes in some form for your longer runs, whether it's, um, you know, Gatorade or Powerade or noon electrolyte tablets in water if you don't want the sugar. Or, you know, the energy gels also have some electrolytes in them as well. So if you're, if you're taking energy gels in consistently, then you probably won't need the addition of Gatorade, but certainly doesn't hurt to have extra electrolytes. So something else to keep in mind. And our third message tonight comes from Ricky. He says, been meaning to say thank you for making me the runner guy of the week. It made my day when I heard it. The quote was from a Steve Miller song called Serenade. One of my favorites. Great show. Thanks again. Best, Ricky. And the lyric he had shared was, wake up, wake up, wake and look around you. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And it's great to hear from you, Ricky. You know, sometimes we're pulling runner girls and runner guys from our Daily Mile feeds, and we don't know if if people are still listening to the show because we've been doing it for so long. So when I heard back from Ricky, I was like, oh, nice. Ricky's still listening. (laughs) So thank you, Ricky, for sharing your run and for continuing to listen to the podcast. All right. I think that brings us to the end of the show. Megan, do you have a quote for us? I do. My quote says, trust your training. You have done everything necessary to prepare. Focus right here, right now. From Dr. Eddie O'Connor. And that was a good reminder that I've put in a bunch of work and my marathon will be fabulous because I've done a lot of work for it. And I've trained more than I have for anything else ever. Like for real. Yeah. And so I should be good and it'll be fine. It'll be great. I'm going to finish standing up. <laughs> well, I'm wearing my medal to work and I'm going to show everybody this is what I did this weekend. And I'm going to eat some donuts. <laughs> But I like that. Thank you, because that is a very important thing for us to remember going into the races this weekend, that we just need to uh, trust our training. And that's what that's the thing that gets that gets to me, because I'm like, I haven't done as much this year as I normally do. But then I think other people run marathons on way less than what I did. So I'm going to be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be it'll be great. And that's it for episode 30 of season four. Join us next time when Megan will be sharing her recap of the Cannonball Marathon. That like made it real. Like I'm sharing a marathon recap. Yes. Next Sunday. Yeah. What? Yeah. This time next week. Uh, next time I talk to you, you're going to be a marathoner. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Unless I fall down on the course and like break my ankle and I can't finish. <laughs> You're not, no. See, that's the thing that I think of. Like, what if something goes wrong? What if I get injured? It could happen, but it it won't. It won't. No, More it won't. More likely than not, it won't. Uh, I was kind of freaked out, though, and I didn't mention this on the show, but running on acorns is painful. Like, it hurts a lot. Running on acorns? Yeah, with the all the rain and the wind and everything. And with it being fall, you know, acorns are falling anyway. I think the wind yesterday and today just knocked a bunch extra, and they were all over the trail. Our trail was covered with leaves and acorns, and it's a paved trail, so usually it's pretty clear. But we had pine cones, and then we had downed trees at one point that the other people had to run around. Because there was some hurricane or something? Yeah, (laughs) I was like, wow. I mean, you could get around it, but they were definitely in the middle of the trail. And I meant to ask you, how are the new shoes? They're good. I ran 10 miles on them. They're stiffer than I'm used to. Like, they aren't as flexible. But I think it's just breaking them in because I've only put, like, 12 miles on them. Yeah. But I'm not worried about them for the race because I ran 10 miles in them. And they were okay. My biggest issue is I can't tie them tight enough at the start of running. So, like, four miles in or so, I have to tighten them. That's what I had to do. I think it was like mile, yeah, mile four. I had to stop and tighten and tie my shoes tighter. Some of my um, shoelaces are like that. They get loose. And what I do is after I tie my shoes, I tuck them down into the, like the 
where it crisscrosses below. You know what I mean? So you just tuck the loops under there, and then you just don't have to worry about it. You know mm, what I that's mean? That's something to try, yeah. Because I'll be running, it'll be like three or four miles tomorrow, so I'll be able to figure it out. And it might just be that I tie them tighter to start with mm-hmm. and kind of deal with it, being just a little bit uncomfortable. Well, don't tie them too tight, because one issue that I had, on my last marathon, I tied one of my shoes too tight, and I didn't realize it. And afterward, I had like tendonitis in the top of my right foot for like months after that like it just did not go away and sometimes I can still feel it but now like I'm flexing my foot and it feels fine so and I ran long today and it's not an issue but um but yeah it bothered me for a long time after that so don't tie it too tight (laughs) these are all the things to think about like like why do we worry about why is this something to worry about on top of running 26 miles how to how tight you tie your shoes because you're running for 26 miles and it matters that's true so <laughs> let's add this to the other things i'm gonna worry about i'm gonna tie my shoe too tight and break my ankle in the race no and no. not be able to run again no it'll be great it's gonna be fabulous it has to be <laughs> if you have any questions email runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com post on facebook.com slash runnergirlspodcast Tweet to us at Runner Girls Show. Call the hotline at 207-200-3297. And follow us on Instagram at Runner Girls Podcast. Listen to us at RunnerGirlsPodcast.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Now go outside and run.